Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from April 5th by Pastor Randy titled, It's All Good. Uh, Apparently, from what all they're saying, this is going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. So what we've been doing, uh, what I've been doing is looking at some biblical truths to provide for us a foundation not just to get us through this difficult time so that we come out of this time stronger than what we went into it. Uh, and what I've been sharing with you, uh, the first thing was keep the big picture in mind. That at the beginning, there was fall, sin entered in the world. We were broken people born to a broken world. And that's why that there's earthquakes. That's why there's tsunamis. That's why there's viruses. That's why there's sin. That's why there's chaos. In the end, when we get to heaven, things are going to be so much more better just to be in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, just to be with our Heavenly Father, just to be there with Him is so much better that in the meantime, we go through this time with a strong hope, a firm hope, because we know what's coming. The second thing we looked at is that the sovereignty of God, that God is in control. And if you forget that, if you lose sight of the fact that God is in control, that's when doubt, that's when fears, that's when worry Uh, creeps up on you. So if you're having problems with those doubts and fears and worries, you need to go back and understand that God's sovereign. He's in control. Today, we're going to look at a more emotional response to this. And that's the idea that that God, do you really care? Because whenever you have a a national tragedy or whenever you have a uh, terrorist attack or a random shooting or maybe something more personal, maybe it's when you have... uh, you know, someone in a hospital or, or, or when it's it's your son or daughter that's sick or you lose a loved one or, or, or you get the virus, something like that. What, what happens is that people ask God, why? Don't you care? Why would you allow this to happen to me? I mean, are, are you really good? Are you really loving? Are you really all powerful? If you were, this wouldn't happen. So God, why? Why is this happening? And those why questions is the questions that we ask when things don't make sense. And most of the time, those why questions takes us to one of our deepest hurts in life. Uh, the times when things were just falling apart and we're left holding the pieces and we go, why, God, why is this going on? Uh, George Barna asked a question in some of his research and one of his polls, and he asked people, if you could ask God one question and you knew he was going to give you an answer, what question would you ask? And the number one question people would ask is, why is there evil and suffering in the world? And that is not only the most common question that people ask, that is, is, the, is the loudest question that people ask. And what I mean by loudest is that's the one that sort of gets in the face of God, that sort of challenges God. It challenges his sovereignty. It challenges his character, who he is. Like no other question, nothing else we can do. That really gets in the face of God and challenges that. When something bad happens, we want to call God on the carpet and ask him to explain himself. And the question is, you know, why do we blame God for the evil in the world but not give him credit for the good? But but that's just naturally in us. It's within this broken world to want to get in the face of God and challenge his sovereignty and, and challenge his character and who he is. So we're going to look at a verse today, a very well-known verse in the Bible today. And so as we just get into this, don't tune me out because having this verse and knowing what it's saying, what it's not saying, and, and understanding what's behind it, That's crucial to you coming out of this hard time and any hard time you face in your life to be able to come through it stronger. 
Okay, so the verse we're going to look at is in Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All right, so you mean I can be somebody who's been loved by God, called according to his purpose, and my life be hell? Those two things can go together? And, and God would say, yes, absolutely. Paul's saying they, those two things can go together. Why? Because our God loves us with an everlasting love, with a, a beautiful, godly love, but we also live in a fallen world. Let me sort of explain the, the, the crux of what this verse is getting at by, by giving you an illustration. Oftentimes, living in Alaska, we have to watch, especially watch sports that's been taped, that's been recorded. Because when they're going on live, we're usually doing something else because it's just a completely different time zone. So, for example, Monday Night Football comes on at 4.30 here. Uh, and not 7.30 like it does in Central Time Zone, but, but, but at 4.30. And, and so we get it recorded, and then we have our Monday Night Football Club meeting at 5.30, and that's when we start. Every fall, some of you have to decide, am I going to watch the game live or am I going to go to church? So let me help you guys with that, and some women too. Let me help you with that. The University of California did a survey, and what they concluded was that people enjoy a story a whole lot more when they know the ending than when the ending is in suspense. Now, let me explain to you how that works for football. So at times when the Saints are on TV, they come on at 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm here at church, and so I got that game recorded. Now, a lot of times before I get home, somebody may say, oh, boy, the Saints, boy, they really cremated them today. Boy, they were... They they just did great, didn't they? Or, or somehow they may tell me the score or something like that. I will go home when I know the Saints have won. I will go home and I will watch that game. And as I'm watching that game, the Saints they may fumble the ball, they may throw an interception, they may give it some easy touchdowns. But I'm not worried because I know in the end it's going to be good. I know how it ends. And this verse is teaching us that God's going to make sure our story has a good ending. He is powerful enough and he loves us enough to make sure our story is going to have a good ending. And that's good if right now you're in a chapter marked divorce in your life, or you're in a chapter marked unemployed in your life, or you're in a, a chapter uh, marked sickness in your life, or, or whatever it may be. And so this is a, a, a beautiful verse in which God is telling us that because he's sovereign and because he loves us, he will make sure everything works out for us good in the end. But here's what I want to do. This verse, let's say this verse is right down the center of what it's saying. A lot of times we will miss what it's saying. We will make a mistake in, in what it's saying. In other words, we will, we will miss the meaning of this verse. And whenever we do that, whenever we miss the meaning of this verse, it erodes our faith in the sovereignty and character of God. And there's way, things that we should also know about this verse. So what I want to go through, first of all, is, is a few ways in which we miss the meaning of this verse. Okay, so that's what we want to look at first. The first thing that we say that causes us to miss the meaning of this verse is that, God, if that's your idea of good, I'll pass. I don't want that. See, this is a great promise. And, and we use this promise a whole lot when we're talking with other Christians. You know, when other Christians come to us and they say they're having this hard time, we'll say, well, Romans 8, 28, you know, God's going to work all things together for the good. And we throw that around a lot. 
And that works okay for us. But when it's your child who is near death, when it's your health that's failing, if it's your job that's been eliminated, and somebody comes to us and says, Romans 8, 28, that can seem offensive. It can almost seem like a contradiction. It's sort of like those commercials that you see on TV. They got people laughing and going through life, and they're just enjoying life. Then they advertise this drug for this disease. And, and the idea was if you take this drug, if you have a certain disease, you take this drug, your life's going to be happy. Your life is going to be great. Then they give you all the side effects. And you listen to all the side effects, and you go, no, thank you. I'd rather have the disease than to have all the side effects. Okay, so somebody was poking fun at this, and they make a, a drug for joint pain. Listen to to what they said. They said, for joint pain, take two tablets every six hours for joint pain. This drug may cause joint pain, nausea, cramps, shortness of breath, may also experience muscle aches, rapid heartbeat, impotence, ringing in the ears. If trips to the bathroom exceed 12 per hour, consult a physician. You may lose a sense of direction. You may feel a powerful sense of impending doom. And having a sensation of have a sensation of having a third arm. Do not take this product if you're uneasy with lockjaw. This drug may shorten your intestines by 21 inches. Do you ever think that this verse should have a side effects label? Yeah, God works everything out for your good, but watch out for the following. You know, and, and I think that, that that's how we sort of mistakenly look at this verse. Uh, let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 25 through 28. Paul says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, apart from such external things, there is also the daily pressure up on me of the concern for all the churches. So I read that, I think, and if that's going on to me, I think, God, that's your idea of good. Count me out. But here's one thing we need to understand. First of all, our idea of good and God's idea of good often aren't quite the same thing. See, we focus on the immediate. God is focused on the ultimate. He's focusing on heaven and what's coming. We define good as something that's pleasurable, something that brings us comfort. But God is more concerned about our character. Listen to uh, the next verse. After Romans eight twenty eight. listen to verse, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the first more, firstborn among many brethren. See, what Paul is telling us is God is concerned with making us look like Christ. And there are some things that I think are good for me, but are actually bad for me because they're taken away from me being like Christ. And there are some things that I think are bad for me that are actually good for me because they're making me look like Christ. Here's the fact. The fact is that we as humans oftentimes find it much easier to say no to Satan than we find to say yes to God. So we have to be broken. It took Moses 40 years in the wilderness before he was ready for the burning bush. There was a survey done of 8,000, 8,000 Christians. And the survey asked, what was the number one factor in your spiritual growth? Was it Bible study? Was it prayer? Was it worship? 
Was it small groups? What was the number one factor of your spiritual growth? And the overwhelming response to what was the number one factor in your spiritual growth was pain. And you know that's true. Our most difficult situations are the things in which God is using to accomplish His purpose, to make us like Christ, to bring us good in the end. He used them to achieve that purpose. The second way in which we miss the meaning of this verse is that we want to make it say something that it doesn't say. We want to make it say that we love God, and so everything that happens to us is going to be good, but it doesn't say that. Instead, it talks about how God is able to bring a good purpose out of all our life's pain. It's, it's giving us a difference between reason and purpose. Okay, this, this is I'm going to try my best to, to explain this. Reason has to do with because, you know, because this happened, because of this, this happened. Purpose has to do with for. Maybe the best way to do that is just to give you a little illustration. The disciples asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? Why did this tower fall and kill these 18 people? And instead of talking about, about, about the reason for this, Jesus, real quickly, he talks about what God wants to accomplish in this. You see, reason has to do with, with the present, uh, the very small picture. Purpose has to do with the future. Heaven, the big picture. And if we're always focusing on the reason that things are happening and never focus on the purpose, we will lose faith in the character and the sovereignty of God. Another way that we miss this verse that we just uh, just totally go off the, the wrong way with it is that we interpret this verse as to say God allows evil on purpose. That God either causes evil or allows evil. And there's not much difference between causes and allows, Right? I mean, if, if what's the difference if I let you fall down the stairs or I push you down the stairs? Either way, you wind up getting down the stairs. So some people say God allows or causes evil on purpose. Uh, a cowboy went to go see his doctor because he was hurting, having pains all over. And the doctor said, have you had any accidents lately? And the cowboy said, no. Uh, but last week I was bucked off by a bronc. I was kicked by a mule and I was bit by a snake. And the doctor said, you don't cause accidents? He said, no, those varmints did it on purpose. Because isn't it true, when you hear somebody say they did it on purpose, you think an evil intent. When you hear somebody say they did that on purpose, you're always implying a bad motive in what's going on. And so what does that mean when we say that about God? And we can go through some very difficult life hurts, but because somebody has this weird way of looking at things, it, it can reflect some terrible theology. Like, like maybe you've heard this, uh, a child dies and somebody says, well, God need another angel in heaven. What? God's so lonely that he took a baby on purpose? Or, or a mother dies by being hit by a drunk driver in a car accident and somebody says, well, we just have to trust that's in God's plan. Oh, so now God runs the universe by taking mothers from their children? Uh, see, we, we, try, we think we're defending God and making it sound like he's the author of evil. But God doesn't send evil on purpose. God bends evil to fit his purpose. And what Paul is saying is that nothing, nothing can prevent God from fulfilling his purpose to bring about good in your life. Evil can't even do that. What this verse, what, what, what's behind it, what you need to understand from this verse is, is that you can't shrink God. God is greater than evil. And, and one day he will do away with all evil. 
God reigns over the worst that evil can do. He proved that at the cross. Uh, yes, evil has its moments. And, and the cross shows us that. But the cross also shows that evil doesn't get his way. God is great in evil, and, and he will always get the last word. Okay. So those are some reasons why uh, some some avenues that we can take that will help us miss what this verse is talking about. Now let's look at some things that we need to know about this verse. Okay, First of all, this is a promise to be claimed and not ignored. The first three words of this verse. First three words, and we know. That's used, that, that phraseology is used 13 times in Romans. It doesn't mean hopefully or maybe. It means with absolute certainty, we know this. What is it that we know? We know that God is working out for our good. Whenever you become a victim or whenever your loved one's in an accident, whatever you're going through in life, you can turn to the God who's yet to make a mistake and knowing that, that he has the power to bend this tragedy for your good. The second thing about this verse is that the project is God, not ours. God causes is, is the next word, three words in this verse. God causes all things to work together. Like a pharmacist, he can take several poisonous ingredients and good ingredients and mix them together for a medicine that can heal you. God can take the good and the bad out of life and, and bring them about for our good. And remember, this verse assumes the sovereignty of God. Our knowledge is limited, but God's unlimited. We look back to past and we say, say things like hindsight's twenty twenty, But God can see the future even clearer than we can see the past. And he can make millions of things come together and string together to, bring, to accomplish one thing for our good that will be for our good for all eternity. The, the next thing, the third thing about this verse is that the plan is total, not partial. The next words are all things. All the, there, there's no limits. There's no confining factors at all. All things he is able to bring about this. And then the next thing about this verse is that the purpose is for good, not evil. Uh, it says, for our good. Work together for our good. It doesn't say all things are good. Okay, please don't mistake this verse by saying, don't mis misunderstand this verse by, by thinking all things are good. Paul never said to be beaten is good. He never said what a great day to be stoned. I think I'm just going to look forward to that today. What a great day for a shipwreck. What a great day to add some more stripes on my back. No matter how painful the, the thing that we're going through, it, it, does, it may not be good, but the ultimate purpose is for our good. It's for our good. If you were standing at the cross on Good Friday and you were a disciple, you would have said this is the worst thing possible. That, that, that Jesus has died, you know, that there, there's, God must not be powerful, must not be real, you know, how could this happen? All their hope was gone, it was crushed, but a few days later, when Jesus rose again, they very quickly looked back on Good Friday and said, that's the greatest thing in all history. And they never once again, after that, doubted God's sovereignty or his character again. They understood how God could take the very worst thing and bring it about for their good. Why do you think they were okay if they went through torture and things? Because they knew that God could take that, evil as it was, as, as much as it hurt at the time. Yes, it's still very painful, but they knew that because he's sovereign and because of his character, he could bring this about for their good. The, the fifth thing that I want you to remember about this verse that's, that's more like a summation is this, that God is present in your pain. He's always there in your pain. Psalm 46.1 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's always with you. 
So often we want God to give us what we want, but God wants to show us that he's enough. He's all we need. Paul wrote a big portion of the New Testament. And he tells in 2 Corinthians he has this thing called a thorn. Now, we don't know what it was. A lot of people think it was some physical difficulty, and it may be. I think it was some people that were irritating him that were causing him a lot of trouble. Get that from the prior chapter. You read it in context of chapter 11, and people seem to fit. But whatever it was, it was very debilitating to him. And he asked God to take it away. Now, you think, if God's going to answer the prayer of anybody... It's going to be the guy who's been stoned for him, not recreational stone, but, but literally stoned for him. It's going to be the guy who has all these stripes on his back because he stood up for Jesus. The guy's been a shipwreck, snake bit, but the guy who's gone through all those things we read a few minutes ago. But here's what God says to him. No, I'm what you need. My grace is enough. Here's what you need to understand. There's something that, that I can't explain. It's something that you have to experience. When you experience his presence, carrying you through a difficult situation, carrying you through when you couldn't make it on your own, when he sustains you, when you're aching in pain, when he comforts you, when you don't know how you can get up and go through another day, when he gives you hope to move on, when you didn't know if you could move on at all so that you can testify that he is enough. See, Paul went on to say that what he had, the difficulty that he had, however painful, debilitating, was that it was, a, in a sense, a good thing. Because what Paul winds up saying, what's implied in those verses that he talks about the storm, is that he'd much rather have the difficulty in God's grace than not have the difficulty. Why? Because the sovereignty and the character of God became real to him in the midst of that. That's when he understood how God could take this and bend this for his ultimate good. That's when he understood how God loved him above everything else. And we will lose that if we don't understand this verse. You will go through difficulties in your life. You'll go through this virus, and, and it, will, it will be hard on you if you, don't under, if, if you don't allow yourself to trust in who he is, the power that God is, and his character. Uh, let me put it this way. Has anyone here ever seen the Sistine Chapel? You can raise your hand or raise your hand online, I guess. Uh, took Michelangelo four years to paint that. He finished it in the early 1500s. And for the next 400 years, that chapel was used almost daily, and it was lit by candles. And art critics would look at that, and they would say, Michelangelo, his composition was a genius. But his colorization, eh, not so much. And then at the end of last century... Some restorations came in to, to restore that, and they began to wipe away all that smut and grime that had been building up from those candles over the past 400 years. And all of a sudden, his colorization, the genius of it, was, was revealed. It was brilliant. And someday, we will get past all the muck and the mire and the grime, and we will see the beauty of God at work. And we will be overwhelmed, overwhelmed by his sovereignty, by his love for us. And so the cross reminds us that God can take the most difficult thing in life and bend it for his purpose. He has the power to do that. And this is where the book of Job helps us a whole lot. Because Job doesn't answer the question, why do people suffer? Job asks us the question, will we trust God when we don't know why we're going through suffering? See, Job warns us against the spirit of entitlement that, that think that God owes us an explanation for why things happen. 
And it's clear at the end of Job that God does not have to exercise his sovereignty in a way that makes sense to us. So the question is, when you're going through pain, when you're going through difficulty, you may not be able to connect all the dots and see everything that's going on, but can you connect to God in the midst of that difficulty, in the midst of that pain? That's what this verse is saying, that we can do that. Why? Because we know that God loves us so much and He's so sovereign that He can take whatever we're going through and cause it to be for the good. We know the outcome, no matter what it is, is going to be for our good in the end. Now, if you're having trouble with that, then the sovereignty and the character of God, that's something you need to deal with. That's something you need to come to grips with. Do you believe He's in control and do you believe He loves you like that? Now, one thing we've got to mention about this verse is there is a limitation it's not to everybody. But the limitation is this, the last words of this verse, to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. It's not to those who hate God and aren't called according to His purpose. No, he's talking about Christians. This is something that, that if you're a Christian, you know that's going to happen in your life. You know that God is at work in your life to cause this to happen. So maybe this is a time when you need to surrender to the sovereignty and character of God in your life. If you haven't yet made that choice to do that, uh, I pray that you'll do that. All right, let's pray together. Father, as I said before, this is something that it's hard to explain, but you just have to experience your presence in the midst of difficulty. And knowing that you may not be able to fit it all together now, but knowing that you can take all the hurts that we may be experiencing, all the difficulty, and, and, and Bend it and make it work for something good because of your character and because of your power. Oh, Father, may, may we see all that's behind this verse and not lose sight of your sovereignty, of your character, Father. May we not let bad theology, other things, throw us off of, of, of what you're actually saying here, of how you actually have a purpose into conforming us to be like Christ. And Father, I pray that that will happen during this time so that we come out of this difficulty, whatever it means for our church body, for those we love, whether it, it may be getting sickness, it may be unemployment, it, it, so many things that, that's going to happen as a result of this. But may we see and take this verse to heart, knowing that you are in control and that your character always has our best interest at heart. I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.